Good morning. You can tell it's Memorial Day, huh? I'm sure they are sitting by the lake going, God, this is such a beautiful place you have given me this weekend. And for that bass I just caught, (laughs) you know what? I'm actually quite grateful for the moments that God gives us in our life just to relax and get away and to celebrate and to commemorate. He's a good and faithful God. Amen. So, I take it, since you are here this week, you have come to terms with the fact that you are an arrow in his hand. And you've been working on that whole compassion, kindness, strength, forgiveness thing all week long. (laughs) And we will have a season of repentance at the end as well. Uh, I'm excited about what God has for us. We're going to finish up this journey of the arrow this morning. And we'll jump right into that. And if Pastor Wayne, or as we like to call him, the ninja pastor, because you never really know where he's going to turn up, uh, we'll probably do Brave at the end. If you, if you hear me out there, <laughs> anybody's, can we stand up and get into the Word? We're reading a few passages that are going to seem completely unrelated. They're going to feel a little bit fragmented, but by the end of this, each one of these passages relates to one stage in the arrow's life, in the life of an arrow, the journey. So we'll try and put those together as we go out. Are you ready? This is a good one, guys. The purity of silver and gold is tested by putting them in the fire. The purity of human hearts is tested by giving them a little fame. Is that not such a good verse? Oh my goodness, the purity of a person's heart. Boy, we've seen that over and over. Okay, here we go. But he knows where I am and what I've done. He can cross-examine me all he wants, and I'll pass the test with honors. I would like a show of hands. How many of you could actually say that? (laughs) I'd be like, oh, Jesus, help me with this test. Okay, the next one. When God, who is the best shepherd of all, comes out in the open with his rule, he'll see that you've done it right and commend you lavishly. And you who are younger must follow your leaders. But all of you, leaders and followers alike, are to be down to earth with each other. For God has had it with the proud but takes delight in just plain people. Any plain people want to say, thank you, God. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. All right, here we go. He hurls arrows of light, taking sure and accurate aim. That would be you guys. He sends you. Step down out of heaven, God. Ignite volcanoes in the hearts of the mountains. Hurl your lightnings in every direction. Shoot your arrows this way and that. And finally, one more, I believe. Then I'll send my my servant, go find the arrows. Father, I thank you for the hope that is in your word. I thank you for the way that your word grabs hold of us and does not let go. I thank you, Father, that it goes deep into the, the recesses of our life, Father, and opens up things in us that we didn't even know existed. 
So, Father, I thank you for the hope that resides in it. Father, I'm praying today that your Holy Spirit would do an awakening work in this body, in the lives of every individual, God, that when they leave here today, God, they would look for the purpose of the arrow, Father, that they would begin to just find your hand, God, that you may send them to do the work that you've sent them to do. I thank you, Lord. I ask that everything that is of me would fall away and everything else, all that is of you, would stand and produce fruit in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I am sure last week we decided, we studied, and we found out that we have been chosen by God, that there are works that he has for us to do that we need to, to be about doing. You know, there are perhaps some things that we were supposed to have maybe done 10 years ago that we haven't quite gotten to yet. Um, but God is a patient God and he's a good God and you have been chosen by him. And as his chosen, I know that all week you have been searching your hearts to find out how you're doing in the areas of compassion. How you doing? <laughs> Other people will answer for you. <laughs> Are you doing in the areas of compassion and kindness and humility and strength? Have you been searching your hearts a little bit to find out if you're willing to play second fiddle? Have you, have you been dealing with your anger issues? Or were you mad at me for sharing that last week? Are you dealing with those? Are you content with second place? I was sharing with first service that last week it was just kind of funny the, the different responses you get if, if you've got a very competitive nature and someone says, can you be content with second place? The first thing in us is to go, no, uh -uh. I want the trophy. I want the prize. But what if God asks you to serve in a second position? What if God asks you to serve in hidden positions? Will you be willing to do that? Will you forgive people when they come your way and maybe hurt your feelings or, or you take up an offense? And will you love them? Because these are the marks of the chosen. Okay? So I'm sure you all have mastered that this week, right? Taking every opportunity you can to do that. So now that we have established that you've all been chosen by God and that you have a destiny, you have something important that he has for you to do, then we're moving to the next phase in the, the processes of the era. Once you have been chosen, you are now going to be dun-dun-dun, tested for true. Tested for trueness. <laughs> Don't you just love a good test? <laughs> Don't you just love when, you know, the pop quizzes come? Don't you just love a good test? But see what God is doing in this phase of the arrow's life is finding out if you will go where he tells you to go. If you will do what he tells you to do. It's a very simple test of obedience. And I find it interesting that it, it isn't one of those things where... Um, it just, it just seems like it's so simple. Either you obey or you don't. You know, it's like, not like God's up there going, well, I'll grade on the curve. Well, Kurt did pretty good on this one. So I'll bring... He doesn't compare the arrows to one another. He's just going, well, you do what I asked you to do. One of the things that Hal does when he gets the arrows and he's chosen them, he's already examined them, he will spin them. He'll put them in the palm of his hand and spin it. Which is really painful if there's a... Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but he'll spin it. He'll spin it to see if there's any deviation in center. He'll spin it to see if, ba if there's balance in it. And how often have we been there in our life? Something comes along and all of a sudden your little world just goes spinning. 
feathers go flying. <laughs> and you find out that you were not as balanced or as centered as you thought you were. Because an archer, when they spin that arrow, they can see if it's going to stand true. If there's any deviation in the shaft of the arrow, if there's anything wrong with that. Because understand that the smallest deviation, the smallest dent, the smallest messed up fletching can cause an arrow to go somewhere it was not supposed to go. And time and distance make a big impact. The, you know, wind speed on an arrow where it's going to go. And you might start out right here and you're just a little bit off center. You might have just a little ding or a little dent or a little bit of messed up. And you're pretty close to center. But over time, a small deviation becomes a big division. And so the archer will test the arrow and see, have you ever felt like you have been a spun puppy? Have you ever felt like things were going really good and then something just hits you and you have to find your equilibrium again and you have to see how quickly you can get back to center? It's like, where am I? It's like, what just happened here? See, God will test our hearts. God will test it when, and things will come your way that you weren't expecting or things will come on you suddenly and it's checking your balance. And it's a good thing. But we all know the only way you can actually find out if an arrow will fly true is to send it on short test flights. So my husband will take these arrows out into our backyard. Aren't you glad you're not my neighbor? He will take these arrows. He'll set up the, um, he'll set up the uh, target and he will send these arrows on short flights. You know, he'll send them to see if they're going to fly the way that he wants to. And see, these are the times in our lives when, when we are allowed to do something for the Lord. These are the times where he might go, uh, Chelsea, go and tell your friend. Go and tell her, her that I have her on my heart and that, I am, um, that I'm there for her, that I hear her prayers. And Chelsea, in her faithfulness, goes and she does that small flight. She goes and takes that flight for the Father, and she does it admirably, and she does it faithfully. So we know she's going to strike that mark, right? The small obediences that God asks you to do, those are very important in determining whether or not he can use you for the major flights. If you will fly true, if you will obey him, that is the question that's being asked during the testing phase. And this is just a wonderful thing to me because it's so exciting to be used by God. It's so exciting to, to go... Oh, yeah, that really was him. <laughs> you know, people will go, oh, I, I really needed that word. I really needed that encouragement. And you're able to go, oh, yes, I do hear from God. And we're encouraged in our spirits so much so that the time comes. We've been given these small t uh, tests, these small flights that we are so ready to go. We can hardly stand it. It's like we are so excited in our spirits to go and do the next thing. We want to do the next thing that God's called us to do because that was so cool that he let us do that. And, you know, I, I had written it's like, you know, a kid that's got drank too much red Kool-Aid. You know, it's like you are just so full and you are so ready to go do something and you don't know what to do with yourself. And you know that God has a destination for you, that he has a mark for you to strike. And you are so ready to do it. God is getting ready to position you and use you. And he does. And he does what the, the archer does with that arrow that he's just tested. He takes it and he slides it into the quiver. Not the quiver. Not the church. I don't have to hang out with these people, right? I don't have to be a part of this group. 
you know, I just want to fly on my own and be all shiny and streak across the sky and do all of the beautiful things, God, that I know that you have destined me to do. So why am I stuck in this church? Not me personally. <laughs> I happen to like it here. <laughs> Been here a long time. But you know, you get this thing and you're like, oh, I could serve God so well if it weren't for the people. God, I've got it all together until they make me behave that way. But see, there is this love that has to be developed in, in your heart if God is going to be able to use you. Otherwise, you are dangerous. Why would he send you to people you don't love? Why would he send a word of wisdom or a word of correction or, or even a word of discipline through you who doesn't love that person? So, because you are an arrow, because you have been chosen, because you have been tested, God will place you in the midst of a body. And in the middle of that body, you will learn the lesson of love. And if you do not learn it, he will not deliver you from that quiver. He won't deliver you from it. You can take yourself out of it. You can get really aggravated with people and decide you need another church, you need another place, you need another mission, you need different people sitting beside you, whatever the case may be. And you can deliver yourself, but if you want to be delivered by His hand, and if you want to be used of God to strike a mark that He intends for you to strike, He is going to birth love in you. He's going to do a work in you. And see, that's the beauty of the quiver. You go into it and you are grouchy and you are whiny because you think you have some great destiny. And these people are holding you back. Have you ever been there? Oh, they just don't get it, God. They don't get it. They don't understand that you can fly, that you can stay in the presence of God, that you can do these things. These people are holding me back. That sounds like, oh, I don't know. This group of people that went across the desert for 40 years. Big, bad, hot, dusty quiver. And they didn't get it. They didn't get it. But see, there's something that's supposed to take place within the body of Christ as you learn to love people and uh, they love you and your heart opens up and God begins to do this thing. See, the scriptures tell us that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You can't do that if the only person in close proximity to you is like a mile and a half away. But in the quiver... You are becoming sharpened in the quiver. You are learning something you cannot learn off by yourself. And see, God wants us to get that. The most important thing that you can learn in the quiver, the most important thing you can learn as you sit in the pews in the body of Christ is that love is the only reason to fly. Love is the only reason for any of it. If you don't love them, why would you go? Everything else is shallow. If you do not love them, then you go on your own accord. If you don't love them, then our purposes very easily become about us. I have a ministry. I have something to do. Big deal. But do you love those people that you're supposed to be ministering to? Are they the bane of your existence or the joy of your life? 
Can you love them? Can you be compassionate? Can you be sharpened by your time in the quiver? And if you do what you're supposed to do in that close proximity with the sons and daughters of God, what happens is that when the archer finally does reach back into the quiver and draw you out, you are just stunned. You went into it going, oh yeah, yeah, he's going to use me, he's going to use me. Now you're going, oh God, what an honor. What an honor, God, that you would use me considering all of these around me who have so many gifts and so many abilities. God, you could use any one of them. But for this moment, you've chosen to use me. God, what an honor. You didn't have that before you went into the quiver. You didn't have that. It's just the most wonderful thing. And so he reaches back into the quiver and he pulls you out. And for these brief moments, you are exposed to the elements and the watcher arrows get to see you. And you're like, oh, that, that was a great job. Look what they did. And, and these are the moments in life where God allows you to do something and you get to shine. You get to shine for a moment and people are like, oh, he's a great speaker. Oh, look how anointed she is. Oh, listen to her voice. Did you see the way she loved them? And there's the opportunity for the watcher arrows to applaud you for a little bit of glory, a little bit of fame to come. And in that moment, just like the scripture says, your heart will be tested. In the exposed moments when God allows you to do something, I want you to remember something. God is the only thing about you that's shiny. You are merely the reflection. He is the source. Never forget that. There's nothing beautiful about us outside of God. If you search your own hearts, are you really thrilled with what you find there? I'm not. I have so far to go. I have so far to go. The only thing beautiful about me is Him. And the only thing that can strike any mark in me is Him. So you're exposed for these brief moments and, and he brings you out and the people are like, oh, Brad's a great speaker. Look at that. Oh, look at what Justin did. Oh, look the way that Dave handles the word. Look at the way Robert sings and, and engages God. And, and you're like, yay. And then in the natural progression of the arrow, you are brought face down. What just happened? Because that is the natural progression. When that arrow was brought out of the quiver, it is taken face down and it is knocked up onto the bowstring. And that is the first time stability really comes into the arrow is in the face down position. And see, a lot of us don't want to walk through face down to get to stable. We love the flight. We love the glory. We love the shine. But what happens? See, here's what we need to remember. And this is really important going into here. When you go into face down seasons, seasons when you feel like, what is that? Is that dirt? <laughs> it's like you look up and all you see are feet. You know that, you know that you're in a different season in your life. <laughs> you're like, Okay, God, but see, there's this realization that has to take place. God will let you fly and he will let you shine, but he wants to make sure, you know what? The glory goes to him. The glory goes to him. One of the wonderful opportunities, one of the privileges that I have here is to work with the young guys that are and, and young women that are in the ordination process. And I love, I love when they teach. I love when they preside over offering. I love when they step out into the moments when they can shine. And, and I'm just so um, 
they're just so wonderful and they give me such hope for the future of the body of Christ when I look at them. But you know what I'm doing? Because God's given me the honor of being just a little bit of a mama to them. <laughs> After they speak, I want to see what they do with that. I want to see what they do when they come off the platform. When you guys are going, oh, that was so good. That was so great. I, I want to see how they deal with that. I want to see if their hearts are humble. I want to see what they do with the glory that might be showered on them. Because I know the trouble you can get into. Those high places, let me tell you something about the high places. The high places when you soar and you stay there too long, human hearts have a tendency to build altars to strange gods in high places. Human hearts have a tendency to worship their own accomplishments if we stay there too long. And see, the purpose of being exposed is that God could bring us to that place of discipline. You're not being punished in face-down seasons. Understand that. You're not being punished. This is a place of discipline. This is a place where your heart engages God. And you're allowed to search your heart to see what you're going to do with what God does with you. See, man will punish for retribution. God will discipline for training. And he's disciplining our hearts to take everything we gain in flight right back to his feet. Right back to that place in him. See, there's something in that. When my boys were little, the best analogy I can give you of this face down moment, even though it may not make sense to some of you, is there's this thing that has to take place in our hearts so that God can use us rightly and so that our hearts can stay in the right place as God begins to use us, as he begins to send us. When my boys were little, which they're 30 and 27 now, so it's been a while. Um, but they were growing so fast and doing so much that every pair of tennis shoes I bought for them, they wore them out. I mean, it's not like I could even pass errands down to Matthew unless Matthew's wanted to be sandals and it wasn't. But anyway, I mean, they were growing so fast and I felt like pretty much every week I was buying shoes. And the most wonderful thing took place, and I know all of you who've ever bought shoes with your little ones get it. They would slide those tennis shoes on their feet, and all of a sudden they could run faster than they could ever run in their whole life. And they would run to this side of the store, and they would run to that side of the store, and then they'd go, watch me jump, Mom! And they would jump as high as they could jump, those little feet coming this far off the ground. But it was amazing. And they would praise the shoes, all oh, these shoes, mom. But see, I knew it was the life inside the shoes that was amazing. I knew that that, that made them run fast and jump high and accomplish amazing feats was not the shoes, but the life. And that's the realization that the arrow has to come through, come to in that face down position. It is the life within you that is that's the dance it's not you it's not you it's him it is the life within him and once you get that once you get that man it's just the most glorious thing and then he takes you when you get that in your heart god it is all about you it is all you god that's when that that arrow knocks onto the bowstring. There's this little tiny groove at the back of an arrow and it locks onto that bowstring. And at the front of the bow, there's a little tiny thing called the rest. And so when you are knocked on that bowstring, the base of the arrow becomes stable and the head can finally rest. Boy, it took a long time to get there, didn't it? like but you can rest there and here's the thing this is this, this oh i gotta get through this this is 
In every stage, every stage of this, you have known his hand. Every single stage. In the first stage when you were chosen, you knew the hand of the kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer who chose you, who redeemed you, who bought you. That was the hand that you knew. When you were tested, it was a hand of a great physician who was able to look at your flaws, look at your disease, look at everything about you and bring healing. So you knew his hand. (laughs) then there were those moments when you were uh, hidden in the quiver. And in those moments, you knew the hand of the Almighty, the same God who you hide under the shadow of the wings of the Almighty. He hid you for a season. And so you knew that hand. And then the hand of a faithful father who would bring you into a place of discipline and correction because we know that the father disciplines those whom he loves, right? So to bring you into that place. Oh, but now, but now in this moment, the hand that knocks you upon the bow, the hand that lays your head to rest, this the hand of a mighty warrior. And you haven't felt this hand before. This is the same hand, the hand that holds you now, that begins to promote you and align you in the kingdom. This is the hand of the mighty warrior. This is the same hand that held David as he ran toward Goliath with the five smooth stones. I get excited about that. It's like this is the same hand that's in the chariot of fire to pick up a prophet who had finished his course. This is the warrior God. This is the hand that held Joshua at Jericho. And this hand is the hand that begins to promote you, to bring you into alignment. And then he does the most wonderful thing. He takes that strong right arm, the strong right arm of the Lord that represents victory and all of the glorious things that he has done. That strong right arm takes hold of the the bowstring and he pulls you back. He draws you back. And in that moment, the strength of the mighty warrior, his arm is engaged in holding you. And it's the most beautiful place to be, guys. It's the intimate place because in that moment when God draws you back and you feel like everybody might have abandoned you and you are all alone, you are drawn back and you are right next to the ear and the mouth of God. You are in intimate, close proximity to this mighty warrior and you are in a perfect position to receive your final instructions before flight. It's beautiful. Don't rush this season. Don't rush it. And see, there's something about this too. When you are drawn back and you are in that close proximity to someone, I cannot help but think about the fragrance of God that overtakes us. See, there are moments that, that I mean, I know it sounds like I'm a stalker, but when my husband travels and uh, works with the PGA, when he's gone for seasons of time, sometimes I really miss him. Okay, I always really miss him. Sometimes I miss him more than other times. That didn't sound better either. But anyway, but I miss him. And I go, he keeps his dress shirts in one corner of the closet. I will go in the closet and I will smell of his shirts. Because it, it makes me feel like he's there with me. And, and I love that. Just it surrounds me and see, this is the moment with God where you enter into a place of close proximity where his very fragrance reminds you of the victories you've had with him. His very fragrance is just carried on everything about you. And there's an awakening on the inside of you. And then in that moment, don't you know that you are so uh, consumed and covered by the fragrance of God that at the moment when he holds you back, And he finally whispers, now fly true. 
he releases those <laughs> he releases those fingers and you just take off you are released in the spirit and there's something in me that gets so excited there because I know I've been in his presence enough that when I fly I carry his fragrance I want to I want you to know that when you come into that place with him God does the most amazing things and you are finally released and the picture that is in my spirit is that as you fly it's almost like the clouds begin to part and the fog begins to move and this moves this way and all of a sudden the arrow can finally see that mark that they were intended to strike and and it looms up in front of you and you fly through those elements and you strike dead center into that red center that God sent to you don't you want that there's nothing like that. There is no sound like that in the kingdom. Like the sound of an arrow of God striking the mark that God sent them to. It's like Peter dropping his nets. It's like it, you had to, it had to have reverberated in the heavens. If I can get the praise team, Pastor Wayne. I thought about it. I thought, God, that we could strike the mark that you send us to strike. When I did that, I got kind of sad because I was like, God, it's over. It, it, wait a minute, God, I've, I have so anticipated this and, and I've wanted to walk through all of these phases and these steps with you. And as I was pinning the last pages in the book, I'm like, God, this, this is great, but it makes me sad. It's like I was happy, but I was sad and didn't know what to do with it. And I'm like, God, this journey of the arrow, God, it's, a, it's awakened on the inside of my heart. So now what? God. And this picture opened up in my mind's eye. I began to see the same warrior that I saw in the initial uh, vision, in the initial picture. And he was walking through this field and the grasses were high, almost hip high. And I could see him walking through the field toward the center of the field. And in the center of the field, there was this huge target and there were arrows in the target. And I watched this he uh, drew close and there was this look on his face. It was, it was almost like a father who was just gave the little nod like, yeah, that was good. As he saw the arrows right dead center and he reached out and he grabbed the arrow and he pulled it out. And in my spirit, what I heard or what, you know, my imaginations, I just heard the arrow go, I did what you told me to do. I, I finished, I finished my race archer. And I heard the archer just begin to chuckle as he said, Oh, little arrow. Good arrows are used over and over and over and over again. And I just sat there and I sobbed and I thought, God, how faithful that you would teach us that you can use us and that you wouldn't just teach us that. Now you're going to use us, God. And that would be the cry of my heart. And as the, the image closed out, I could just see him walking the field, gathering the arrows for their next journey. Will you be that arrow? Will you be an arrow in God's hand? I know it's going to take a little bit of bravery for some of you, but you know what? God's got you. In our weakness, He is made strong. And where there is no vision, God can bring vision. Amen. So what we're going to do tonight or today is if you all would stand with me. I want to pray over you and then we're going to take five minutes.
we're going to sing the song, You Make Me Brave. And I want you to sing it as a declaration. Anybody who's going, God, I'm not strong enough to do this. God, I know there's a calling on my life, but I don't know how to do it. We're going to sing this song as an offering and as a prayer. God, you make me brave. And when we reach that point, I want you to just lift your hands. And I want you to begin to declare, God, I know that you can make me brave enough to complete this flight. I know, God, that you can give me what I need to strike the mark. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for all of those that are called, all that are chosen, God, all that are going through each and every phase in the testing of the arrow. And I thank you, God, that your strength will come and make them brave enough to do what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name.